Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a podcast about the church and for the church. I am Connor. I'm here with Mike and we are excited to be with you today. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Connor. Good to be with you. If you uh, were with us last week on the podcast, we both shared, Mike, about what we're reading right now and kind of in the context of that conversation, we thought, well, you know, we, we might want to do a podcast about why read in the first place. So, so that's what we're talking about today, why read. And I know, Mike, you've got some thoughts for us, but I'm super excited about this because I know we both love to read. We both read a lot. And um, I think maybe both of us have some things to kind of uh, chime in with. But let me kick it to you first. Uh, as you're just, uh, as you're hit with this question, why read? Go ahead and just give us the, the first thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind is edify your mind, to, to edify your, your heart and mind. And just, I don't know, um, when we read, it expands and it builds up. Now, of course, you could read, you know, bad things. You could read trashy things. I'm, I'm talking about reading good books, okay? So we're talking about good Christian books specifically. Right. I'm not saying, oh, read every novel that comes out, okay? Right. Do that if you'd like. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, I do a lot of reading. My reading is pretty wide, but I'd say that the majority of my reading is theological reading. And I like biographies. I like um, a novel. I don't read tons of novels, okay? But I really do like theological books, and I, and I'm, I'm, I want to focus that, that you would edify your mind with good reading, so like, for example, we talked about Michael Reeves' book. We have it right in front of us here, but Authentic Ministry, that's good reading. I was reading you a, a portion of it a moment yeah. ago, and you're like, oh, I can't rich, wait until those books rich, come in. I right. know. Yeah. Um, I've got Megan Hill's book here, uh, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church. I've got, um, you know, the linguistic key to the New Testament Greek. I've got uh, the, um, the Expositor's Bible Commentary that... Uh, uh, one of my seminary professors wrote the first second Thessalonians commentary on Robert L. Thomas. And these are these are good books. I've got another book in front of me called Spiritual Leadership that I read back in seminary days in the 80s. And it was by J. Oswald Sanders. And he said a lot of good things. And there's this one, one quote that I'll bring up later, but uh, he said a lot of good things about reading. And I like what he said here uh, regarding what A.W. Tozier said about recommending uh, reading really good uh, writers from the past. He says, read John Bunyan for simplicity, Joseph Addison for clarity and elegance, John Milton for nobility and consistent elevation of thought, Charles Dickens for sprightliness, and Francis Bacon for conciseness and dignity. And Bacon himself claimed that histories make men wise, poets witty, the mathematics subtle, natural philosophy deep, moral grave, logic and rhetoric able to contend. So the idea of, of, of reading somewhat widely even, but to edify your mind. Hmm. So read things that will build your mind up in, in Christ, not away from Christ. Yeah. It sounds like too, tell me if I'm wrong, but Tozer's, Tozer's referencing both both people who are writing explicitly as believers and writing theological works and people who are just writing philosophical works yes. or even fiction. I don't know. I haven't read really any of Francis yeah. Bacon, but you it's not like you'd be picking up Francis Bacon to read theology, but right. there's something about it that's stretching your mind. It's giving you a capacity for being able to think. And I think in that as believers, we're actually flexing muscles that God gave us to use and it does bring him glory. And it gives us a capacity to even be able to turn our minds toward the word and... Mm -hmm. And I think 
um, be able to engage with it at a more insightful and, and rigorous level. Absolutely. And look at, I've just, I just pulled up Audible on my iPad here. And let me tell you some of the books I've read, I read last year, yeah. okay? And listened to last year. And some of these you're like, are gonna be, oh yeah, those are, those are solidly Christian books and others aren't. Right. Um, let me just go down the list here. So Another Gospel by Alyssa Childers, that was about the progressive gospel. Uh, John Calvin's Institute of the Christian Religion, which I didn't read the whole thing. Um, I have that in hard copy and Audible. Yeah. Uh, the Gettysburg Address, two minutes and 51 seconds. It's just beautiful. Um, the Killer Angels by Michael Shara about the Battle of Gettysburg. Mm. Slave by John MacArthur. Uh, Where Do We Go From Here by da- Dr. David Jeremiah. Uh, the Characters of Christmas by Daniel Darling. Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry, which is a book I've had for a long time. That That's I, the one you love, I right? Re- yeah, yeah, I kind of reread portions of that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Christians in a Cancel Culture by Joe Dallas. Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. And um, that was... Uh, narrated really well by hmm. Gary Sinise. And hmm. so I was just, that was a great one. Uh, Winning the War in Your Mind, uh, Fault Lines by Bodie Bauckham, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, and then others. I mean, Moby Dick and um, um, some Tolkien and Lectures to My Students by by Spurgeon, which was a good 21-hour jaunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just other, you know, I've got others here, but these are some of the ones I've done. And so, yeah, not all Christian books, but to edify your mind and, and you know, uh, I think it, ex- I think, let me give you a second idea to expand your worldview. Because if you're reading things, even in the past, you know, I like read Steinbeck or Hemingway. I read um, The Old Man and the Sea mm-hmm. uh, on, in a hard mm-hmm, copy book. Mm-hmm. It's a small book. I've read, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, Hemingway. And it was just a really good book. Right. And it just, it kind of grips your heart. And it was the kind of book that when I was reading, I think I read it over just a couple of days. Yeah. But I couldn't wait to get back to it every time I knew in the evening, usually I would you know, sit down and I'd be like, what's next? You yeah. know, he's pulling, this fish is pulling his boat. I know. That's a, a crazy time. book. DiMaggio, is that book when he's talking about Joe DiMaggio? Yes, and, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I haven't read that since high school. Oh, man. No, I, okay. And I didn't read it in high school. So that's why I went back and read it. So... Let me ask this question. You're talking about expanding your worldview. I, I could imagine some people having the view, well, yeah, I like to read, but I really only, you know, maybe I only read kind of in the areas where I'm, and I'm doing air quotes here, but supposed <laughs> to read, you know, if right. I'm in a certain field for my job, mm-hmm. I read, you know, books about that or whatever, yeah. or as a Christian, I'm reading, you know, theological books or books about Christian living, mm-hmm. but why would I pick up a fictional book? Someone might say, sure, you know, sure. how does that benefit a believer? Mm-hmm. What uh, what good comes from that? Well, let me say that sometimes good doesn't come from it. Mm. That sometimes you could read absolute garbage and it doesn't edify your mind and it doesn't expand your worldview. It it pollutes you. So, yeah. um, and that's true in all kinds of media, whether it's music, film, uh, print, whatever it is. I think that you need to be discerning so that if I'm going to read something, I want it to have some redeeming quality some redemptive right. quality right. so even have reading someone like hemingway that was not a godly man Mm-mm. that he there was something there was some kind of compass though even so in his writings and again i'm not saying that you can't read something that you completely disagree with sometimes the books i've disagreed with the most i've learned from yeah. the most yeah but i would just say that you want to be discerning you want to be choosy and by the way, I don't read a lot of books that are forced reads where I force myself to read it. Hmm. Those are never enjoyable, right? right? Right. But there are books I read 
that I discipline myself to read. Right. And that might be a book I need to read, whether I'm, I'm prepping for some preaching, or a book that I've I've kind of wanted to read or know I need to because it's of some social importance in this moment. Mm-hmm. Or like, for example, reading Dr. Jeremiah, Where Do We Go From Here? That was a disciplined read. Hmm. I didn't necessarily want to read that book, but a friend said, hey, you should check it out. And it was helpful. Hmm. But it was it was just something I disciplined myself to read. Right. So I think there's there's a an expanding of your worldview. Good can come out of it because thoughts are bouncing around in your brain, and you as you're reading or listening, there are ideas that you're either alternately agreeing with or disagreeing with or wrestling with that are good for you because then it strengthens it should strengthen your convictions. Now I I'm going to give you an example right now that isn't good. A friend of mine at one point in time decided to read a book by a noted uh, ungodly atheist man. And he did so with his his home group, I think, something like that. Yeah. And it led them down a path of questioning the scriptures and questioning the goodness of God. And they're not in a good place spiritually right now. Now, they might beg to differ but they are not professing faith in Christ anymore. Right. And I would say that you have to be very careful that if you expose yourselves to the, yourself to the wrong or harmful things for you, you could get swerving from swerved from the truth or swayed away from the faith and you do need to be cognizant of that. You yeah. need to be yeah. careful, not not afraid, but wary. Right. Yeah. Well, everything we do, we do under the Lordship of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so that includes reading, whether it's for fun or reading something we think we should read. Mm-hmm. So if I'm letting my reading in some way, you know, cause my mind to, to sit in judgment on the Bible or on Christ, that's, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. probably the kind of reading that's really dishonoring to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But if I'm letting Christ reign, and I'm doing even that reading, I'm doing as an act of serving Him and loving Him and yeah. allowing my mind to grow and capacity to delight in Him. And that can be, I mean, because we could probably both, you know, point at people who read i would imagine at least the exact same book that that friend read mm-hmm. but did it and didn't get swayed away but from the did faith. it because because they love christ and want to know what people are saying but even just be able to respond better you know mm-hmm. to defend the cause of the bible and and yes. christ so yeah we have a tendency to gather around ourselves friends uh real people and also friends that write books that we agree with that's why I would encourage people to read things they don't agree with. Yep. Like there's some writers I've read that I completely disagree with, but I'm bracing myself as I'm ri- reading it because I'm not going into their book to be persuaded. I'm already persuaded that they're wrong. Right. Now, there's some things that I glean from them that I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. Right. I appreciate their carefulness in this point, yep. but I don't agree with their worldview or I don't agree with their conclusions. Yep. So there are plenty of people. Um, I brought up Peter Enns before. Yep. I've had to peruse some of his books, and I disagree with this man. But I'm sure that if we sat here right here, and if he was willing to to, to have a conversation, we'd have a fine um, conversation. Yep, yep. We might even be friends. Yep. It doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. This is life, right? Right. We can be friends with people who write books and people in real life that we do not agree with and that we might even strongly disagree with, but we have some sort of affinity right. where we can say, you're made in the image of God. I I, you're my friend. And so it doesn't matter to me so much that we don't agree on everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's and, some yeah. there's some writers I like to read that like like a Hemingway. Right. You're like, you know, or Steinbeck. You know how bad these guys were. Right. On the other hand, 
brilliant. Yeah. And they could turn a phrase. I and know. I, I read their books and I think, I wish I could say it that I way. I know, I know. Yeah. I mentioned last week on that podcast that I'm reading a Steinbeck book right now. And I'm like, you know, I mean, Steinbeck, I, nothing about his life, you know, mm-hmm. strikes me as, wow, what a life that I want to emulate. Mm-hmm. But he obviously had some insight into the human experience. And in reading his book, things are coming to the surface and it caused a lot of good thought. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's also a sense in, in the specific instance that you're talking about of reading someone who has a view that you know you disagree with. It can make us more empathetic mm-hmm. as believers and maybe more gentle, you know, avoid mm-hmm. the stereotype of someone who comes in to swing a club at a view that we've never actually read anybody who is, you know, supporting that view firsthand. We've mm-hmm. only heard the other side, you know, in the strongman arguments. So right. that can, if, if we want to wade in on those things, it can be really helpful to actually have read people who are real human beings who hold those views. Yes. And yeah. yes, I remember the summer that the shack was a big deal. Mm. And I was talking to someone just out here outside the office and a friend from church. And he challenged me because he said, now you're, you're telling me how much you disagree with this book, but have you read it? <laughs> and I had to admit, no, I haven't. Hmm. I've read reviews of it. Hmm. And he says, you know, you need to read it. You, you, I, I'm not completely disagreeing with your assessment. But, and so that summer I said, I'm going to read it. And so I did. And, you know, it's a story. It's not a, not a, it, it's a, it's a gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching story. It's not the best writing in the world, but it's not the worst. And there were some others at Grace that wanted to read it at the same time. And so we were kind of comparing some notes throughout the day, throughout the summer. And I remember being in Tennessee at my in-laws and getting a text from this one person that kept interacting with me, say, check page, you know, 68 or whatever, you know, and you, you won't believe what they said here. And yeah. we were able to interact with it. And I think it was a good experience and a good exercise. But also, you know, that carefulness of maybe be choosy with your books. Be careful that you don't just throw certain things out because, well, I'm going to disagree with them anyway, so I'm not going to read them. And again, that might be someone really solid or someone really shaky. Just, I would say, be maybe some of us need to be a little more open to be challenged in our thinking because if your convictions are solid, they're not going to budge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other thoughts, Mike? Why read? Do you have anything else? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm all all ears right now. I think I have two more ideas. And I think one, and this is a simple one, but to encourage your heart. Hmm. Okay. Not just to edify your mind and build yourself up, even in, in maybe knowledge base and expand your worldview, but to encourage your heart. Right. There's so much reading I do where I might be a little downcast or I might be a little frustrated or even angry and start reading a book and there's something about, now the word does this, the spirit uses the word to, to defrost our hearts, right, right. but a really good book, especially a, a good Christian book, like, like this authentic ministry book by Michael Reeves, Serving from the Heart. Let me just read a portion for our listeners. And the same one I read you yeah. earlier today, but it's, yeah. it's simple, so but it's just so, I'm gonna start a little bit earlier. Puritan Richard Baxter warned of this Christian professionalism using scripture and the knowledge of God simply to get the next essay done or the next sermon done with this painful analogy. Many a tailor goes in rags and maketh costly clothes for others. He goes around in rags, but he makes costly clothes for others. And many a cook scarcely licks his fingers when he hath dressed for others the most costly dishes. Hmm. And then Reeves says this, walking this path, we become hollow people, neglecting communion with God, using the knowledge of God for some other end, for some job not to know God. We use God instead of enjoying God. 
And in that prayerless, praiseless place, our lives have turned ugly, cut off from real life. They have actually started to work against what we were made for, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. There he is quoting Mm -hmm. the first article of the Westminster Confession. And then he says this, this is what I read you earlier. Sometimes we find ourselves tiring of Jesus, imagining that we have seen all there is to see and used up all that pleasure there is to be had in him. We get spiritually bored. But Jesus has satisfied the mind and heart of the infinite God for eternity. Our boredom is simply blindness. If the Father can be infinitely and eternally satisfied in him, then he must be overwhelmingly all-sufficient for us in every situation for all eternity. And that's why the gospel is not lacking, because he is not lacking. Like That kind of writing literally just encourages mm. my heart to love Jesus more. So I think, I think read to encourage your heart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ian Murray, another author that we both love, he's mm-hmm. written a lot of biographies and historical books, I've heard him say that in response to the question or the, you know, comment sometimes people make, well, I'm just not a reader. That's just not me. You know, I don't read. He's responded and said, you know, hunger to read is really not a question of intellect or intelligence at all or whatever you might say. It's actually a question of spiritual hunger. And he's, you know, he's, he just said some of the people that I've known as unbelievers who would never have been interested in a book become believers and suddenly they're hungry. They want to know Jesus more and they just can't get enough. And they're just soaking up, you know, book after book that's pointing them to the glory of Jesus. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, like amen to that. You know, yes. I, I don't really buy the whole, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a reader. You right. know, you can read sports articles that's or, right. you know, those, right? Yes. Like, yeah. So I remember um, the, the time, there was a time, uh, good, some good friends of ours, he, uh, there was one of the kids in the, one of the close families of close family friends. We were away for the weekend with my buddy and his wife and their kids and Angela and I and our kids. And we were the best of friends and we would just go away sometimes for yeah. the weekend. So we went away and we were up in the mountains up in the snow. And I remember one morning, uh, one of the kids was, was, was in high school at the time and he was, he had his Bible open and a journal and he was writing. And I think he probably had a book with him too. And it was the first time I noticed there had been there was a spiritual hunger hmm. in this guy that I've known since he was a baby, and and he was in high school at this point. And we started talking, and he had just lit on fire. God had just opened his heart to some. He had been mentored really well, and just opened his heart to the Word. But that led then to thinking it through and and writing things down, and then reading books that are in accordance with the Word, and just. From then on, he was just on a trajectory of growth in Christ and a passion to know Christ. And just that snapshot, I'll never forget it. And I remember just being so encouraged, so happy, so Hmm. glad for him in his life because we had been praying for him to kind of wake up spiritually. And he was a good guy before, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So there's something you just said about that hunger. And J. Oswald Sanders, again, in this book, Spiritual Leadership, the, the passage, I mean, excuse me, the chapter I'm in is the leader and his reading. And he said something similar. Here's what he said. If it is true that a man is known by the company he keeps, it is no less true that his character is reflected in the books he reads, for they are the outward expression of his inger, inner 
hungers and aspirations. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So the idea of the outward that's... expression of your inner hungers and aspirations, that's where you do need to be careful, I think, with what you're reading because it's going to reflect right. in the life. Oh, uh, that's so true. Yeah. You guys have said on staff before, we know when you're reading certain stuff because it comes out in my preaching, <laughs> it's true. comes out in yeah. my, yeah. we're at staff meeting, we're at lunch together, right? Right. It comes out. Right. And when you're not mm. reading, if you're only reading the Bible, you're not going to go bad. But when you read the Bible plus other books that are are help you understand the Bible, yes, it just helps so much. There's one other quote I want to give, and this is the one I've been looking for, and he's quoting Daniel Webster. He says this: Daniel Webster preferred to master a few books rather than read indiscriminately. It was his contention that reading a few great writers who have built up the permanent literature of the English language, well mastered was better than skimming a multitude of ephemeral works. What do you think about that? Wow. He's basically saying be be a master of a few books, not many. Yeah. Not a not a like a like a novice in many, be a master of a few books. What do you think about that? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me would be and I'm I can be I mean all of us can be guilty of this. There are a few things worse than reading a book just to be able to say you've read it, you know? I guess sometimes occasionally there's that book, you know, there's been a few books in the last few years that you just kind of have to make your way through. I'm thinking of like white fragility or these, these kinds right. of, you know, these kinds of books. So I, I get mm-hmm. that there's a place for that, but sometimes you pick, you pick up a book and it's just one of those books that you're supposed to read, you know, mm-hmm. at some point or whatever. And if, yeah, I, I know that I've read books before for that reason and not to actually, you know, understand what the author is trying to say, mm-hmm. learn from their thought. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned D'Angelo's book, Robin D'Angelo's book, uh, White Fragility, right? Excuse me, White Fragility. I confess, I read that book, but I read it because it was in the conversation about a year and a half ago, very deep. Right. And everyone was talking about it. I thought, I need to read this book so I can understand where D'Angelo is coming from. Yeah. And I was able to read it with, I think, a fair enough lens but realize, oh my goodness, it's worse than I thought. This whole idea that she was putting forth is worse than I thought. And so many others now have written kind of, um, you know, rebuttals and what have you. And again, doesn't mean that everything is bad in it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But it was was startling in how out there some of the ideas were. Right. But I needed to read it. And, And I was, I think I was better for it because I was able to grasp even the moment we were in a little bit better. And I didn't talk about it very much with anyone. I don't think I told anybody I read it really. Maybe one friend. Yeah. 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 I, I was going to say the other thing that I'm thinking of with with that quote about mastering few books is mm-hmm. just, I really, I think it's a good point. You know, like if you only have so many hours in the day and the week, which mm-hmm. we all do, you know, mm-hmm. and especially with, with job and kids and family and, you know, any number of other things that you're involved with, there aren't that many, you know, free hours to just or even free minutes to sneak in reading. It doesn't make sense to waste time on bad books when there's there's so many good books, you yes. know? Um, I, I think it's really true. This is a funny example, but we have a kid in our high school group who likes to watch anime. A lot of our kids actually do. I don't know why. It's something that the kids do these days, I <laughs> yes, guess. Yes. But one of these kids, he's, he's, he's busy with school and sports and all that. So he's told me before, well, I don't just watch any anime. I, f- I like do the research ahead of time to figure out which ones are actually worth watching. You know, you kind of a funny example, uh, maybe not as serious as books, but it's like, he's like, I'm not going to, you know, waste my time on something that's, that's ultimately not going to, you know, 
give me what I could have with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for reading too. I agree. I yeah. agree. So here's, I've got a question for you and then I'll answer the same question. Yeah. Um, what are the books? Let's talk about that. Mastering some books. Yeah. What are some books that you have read and reread because they've been so influential to you, but you keep going back to them? Yeah. Of course the Bible, but I mean, right. outside the Bible, what books of in any genre, what books have you read and reread and you keep going back to? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Well, I, let me, I'll talk about a few books that would be like Christian living or theology books, then maybe even some fictional books too. But mm -hmm. in the first category, I would say Desiring God mm -hmm. maybe is the book that's, that's come, you know, back to my mind again and again, that I've gone back to again and again. Yeah. Um, I, that was really, that was a massive gut punch when I read that, you know, as like an 18 year old or something, this yeah. idea that I'm actually supposed to want God and Jesus is delightful and life is about enjoying him. So I've gone back to that, you know, and I think just um, really just been blessed that God allowed me to read that book when I did and been thankful for that. Um, some biographies, uh, John Patton, missionary to what was then the New Hebrides Islands. I think now it's like, I don't even know what they're called, but kind of an early, you know, missionary movement guy, uh -huh. super um, just devoted to the Lord, went to this island filled with people who'd been cannibalistic and just really mightily use of God and kind of a larger than life personality. But wow. I've read that book. Uh, Sweet. Sometimes, uh, not over and over, but. See, I haven't read I, that. I, I, it's I awesome. would read it just because it's of awesome. that. Yeah, it's his autobiography. So written okay. by him, but okay. super good. Yeah. And then I would say Give his name again in the title. John Patton. Yeah, okay. John Patton. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. I could say more, but I would say in the, uh, in the arena of fiction, probably Tolkien and, and Rowling. So reading, um, Lord of the Rings, and then, and I know some people are gonna maybe talk to us about this, but Harry Potter, I love Harry Potter. Um, I think of all the like, you know, modern fiction, there's just mm -hmm. a lot good in it. Kind of the redemptive themes and storyline that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think we it's there. I don't know, yeah, yeah, I don't know, if you, I don't know how you think about this. But. I think I'm totally fine with, with, here's the thing. I think God uses different books in pe different people's lives. And I agree, there are plenty of things, and, and I'm gonna, move genres a little bit here, but in music, in literature, in film, where you can see redemptive Christ figures right. even in some of this writing. And sometimes it was heavily intended by the author yep. and no one kind of knew or, yep. or everyone knew. And sometimes they inadvertently wrote that way. Right. And sometimes they wouldn't say, oh yeah, I did this because it was a Christ figure, but right. they had, they have a redemptive you know, or a good and the evil kind of a, uh, a right, focus. So right. I'm, well, I'm all for that. I think that there's something good there. And again, because we're made in the image of God, even a writer that's an unbeliever will sometimes bring in, whether it's song lyrics, whether it's poetry, whether it's uh, literature, whether it's film, there is there are sometimes these, these almost inadvertent uh, gospel, uh, right. glory, you right, know, right. Shad shading I, yeah. that, that comes out. I think so much of fiction yeah. reminds uh, reminds us that there is no better story than the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't mm -hmm. make a better story. So yeah. every every book ultimately is about, it's about the hero coming on behalf of the unworthy or it's yes. about the one who sacrificed. You know, I mean, uh -huh. you just mentioned Charles Dickens a few minutes ago, Tale of Two Cities, you know. Right. Uh, Sidney Carton in the end of the book giving his life for... Oh. 
um, you know, the life of another. Oh, like yeah. that's that's gospel stuff, yeah. you know. And even in the dystopian type writing or even apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic kind of stuff, even there, you're like, there's still the person that is the hero or the heroine. It's like, this is the one that right. was going to save humanity or this right. is the one that, right. that we put our hope, you know. And then you stack, yeah. and this goes to what you were just reading from Reeves, but then you stack that character up to Jesus and you're reminded. Everything pales. He's, he's, everyone, everything pales. Yeah, you yes. know, he's so much greater. But mm-hmm. you can, I think, you get pictures of it, you know, mm-hmm. and God's given that to us. Yeah. yeah. What about for you? What books do you go back to? Okay, so there are some biographies and there are some, and some other things, but oh, so here we go. And I, I just off the top of my head, okay, so uh, The Cross of Christ Stott. By John Stott. Okay. And there's a 20th anniversary edition that. that came out a while back too. Yeah. But that was just, it's a seminal book on the atonement. And that was a biggie for mm-hmm. me. Uh, Shadow of the Almighty by Elizabeth Elliot. Okay. Really anything that Elizabeth Elliot has ever written. Yeah. I think I've read all the books she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, uh, you know, Through Grace of Splendor and um, Let Me Be a Woman and The Mark of a Man and Passion and Purity and um, the book on Amy Carmichael. Um hmm. Uh, that she wrote um, that is 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 beautiful as well. Mm. And so anything Amy Carmichael wrote as well, If by Amy Carmichael, um, Toward Jerusalem, which is a book of poetry and hymns. Um, if is on Calvary Love, but those books I come back to over and over again. Mm. Um, they just, you, you keep those close. Uh, a few others, uh, Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry, um, The Killer Angels by Michael Shara, um, Lincoln's uh, Greatest Speech. Hmm. Uh, that was another one that I really liked. Um, I have a few books like that where yeah. I'm like, even like the John Wooden's book, They Call Me Coach. And I've got a signed copy because hmm. I got to go to his basketball camp when I was a kid. But that book um, was uh, was huge. There's a book uh, that I have that I keep on my shelf by Jim Murray. It was a sports writer for the LA Times in the 1970s and 80s, I believe. And I would literally, here's what I would do as a high schooler or a college student, run out to the front, you know, uh, driveway, pick up the paper, the Los Angeles Times, grew up in LA County, or LA Times, I would open the front page, see what was there, anything big had happened, go straight to the sports section and read Jim Murray's column. Hmm. It was that good. I love to sit there and just spend a couple hours reading his old columns in this hmm. book. There's a yeah. couple books they have. Yeah. Uh, a couple more um Delighting in the Trinity by, by Reeves. Yeah. Really anything that Michael Reeves writes. And Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Mm-hmm. That was pretty foundational for me as a brand new believer. And then I got to say, uh, Alex Strock's book, Biblical Eldership, because we're so always useful. equipping elders. I know, I know. And so I'm always reading that or his book on the deacons, Biblical Deacons. Um, and so, yeah, these mm-hmm. are the kind of books I come back to. And I've got others. But there's there's a there's a probably a short stack, you know, maybe there's 20 books where I, I'm like, these are keepers for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I will keep coming back and keep referring, you know, Tozier's, yeah. the, the uh, knowledge Tozier. of the holy. That well, was big actually, for me. no, um, pursuit, of God. The pursuit of God. Yeah. Pursuit yeah. of God. Both was, of those for me. Both yeah. of those really, really good, but pursuit of God probably more so. For yeah. Me. I love that book. Yeah. yeah. Another one, when you mentioned hymns, I just thought of um, The Valley of Vision. Oh, yeah. Which I know so many of mm-hmm. us love, but yeah. that's always that's on my night's like huge. Yeah, yeah. Just big encouragement. Yeah. yeah. Family Worship Bible Guide by Joel Beakey. Yeah is on my nightstand, uh, the Valley of Visions on my nightstand, and my Bible's always there, and then, you know, whatever books I'm, right. I always have stacks. Yeah. But, uh, 
These are some good ones. And don't, isn't it true? Good books become good friends. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of love your copy too, you know? Yes. It's like I, I, I love uh, the accessibility that Kindle brings and stuff, but there's something about a good mm. copy, you know, that you love, well, well cared for. I agree. Yeah. You know what page certain things are on. I know. There's a couple things in, in J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, where he talks about meditating on scripture and on biblical truth. And I know where it is in the, in the, hmm. in the copy. I, and I have two copies of that book. And one I just brought back to the office today. The uh, the newer copy I brought back to the office here because the older copy I know where certain things are on certain pages. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Funny thing too, and I'll just admit this: there are plenty of books I've read where I haven't read maybe all the way through. I've read por- portions, but yeah. I love them so much I keep coming back to those portions. And I think that's okay sometimes. Sometimes we put some, oh, yeah. so much pressure on, I completed this book. Funny thing in, in um, Oswald Sanders' book, in that chapter on the leader in his reading, <laughs> he said something really funny that, I, that I, I've, gotta, I've gotta read really quick. Because there is a danger where you just go, I've read so many books, you know? Right. It's like, right. so? <laughs> that goes to that idea of, so? that's kind of what I was trying to say, and I don't think yeah. I said it very well, but you know, rather than mastering books, we try to just spread ourselves so thin and like, oh, I read so many books this year. That can be anti-productive right. if, it, if it ends up yeah. that every single one of those books, I barely remember what was even said. I read know? a book every week. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Well, what, what are you, are you but, better for yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you probably are. But here's, here's what he said. He said this. He said, Hobbes, the English philosopher once said, if I had read as many books as other people, I would know as little. <laughs> I love that. That is a, like, oh my goodness. That is a really funny line. Yes. I never heard that before. Yes. Yeah. I think I, so. We're I'm, not against reading books. This is all about reading, and yeah. we, we want people to read good books. We right. want people to. I just ordered. I think I said this the other day, but Authentic Ministry by Michael Reeves for our whole leadership team, and I also got Megan Hill's book, A Place to Belong: yeah. Learning to Love the Local Church, uh, for all of our leaders as well. Yeah. You know, I, I've got stacks of books I'm waiting to give to people. Um, I just there's books people need to read. I mean, yeah, you know. If I could, if I could jump in with something, one thing that's on my mind with reading now, especially, and I'm working with high school and junior high kids and college kids most of the week, but it, you know, the spirit of the age is definitely, it seems to me, moving away from reading long form, you know, anything, and and towards shorter stuff. So there's kind of a unique, you know, benefit as believers who want to be able to think well in reading because it trains your mind to actually be able to follow a, an argument, to be able to consider what someone's saying in more than just a sentence or a paragraph, you know. So a lot of our a lot of our, you know, kids in high school are great at this and they love to read and they, you know, even in reading the Bible, they can think in the same way and and read like that. But I see the I see the other two, you know, not just with high school kids, but adults in society. You just you you see the things people say. You think, have you ever considered an argument that was longer than a Twitter post? You know, and if you haven't, then you're really missing out on the best of what not only humanity has been able to say, but obviously what the Bible says as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, case in point, what you just said is such a good point. At the top of a lot of articles I read now, it tells you how long it'll take you. Yeah. Two minute read. Two minute read, right. Four minute read. As if, read, yeah, yeah. As if that's going to be, well, I'll read it now because it's going to be really brief. Right. Well, there's no time to develop an argument. Yeah, yeah. And it could be the, I mean, it, that's, there are greater, you know, considerations for what yes. might be, you know, worth reading than just the time that it would take you to read, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things might be a long read, but that's the exact thing you need to read. Yeah. I've heard you have a, Mike's holding a, a John Owen book in his hands right now and, I, uh, I've heard Sinclair Ferguson say that Owen 
said he wrote for teenagers. He wanted teenagers to be considering what he was reading. And you read Owen now. And you're, like, <laughs> you're like, oh I my goodness. Even, I can't even follow what he's saying sometimes, <laughs> yes, right? But, yes, yes, but yes. man, it kind of, it just shows, you know, that people of God, I think throughout history have, have wanted to stretch their minds and be able to consider serious thoughts, even at a younger age, you know? So if you're 13 or 15 and you're listening to this right now, it's not too early for you to start picking up good books and really, you know, using your mind to consider what people are saying. Yes, yes. I've, you know, I've read so much John Owen recently. I've got 16 volumes behind me. I haven't read them all, but I've, I've perused many recently. And I wish I could remember where it was, where it was in the introduction of something where he basically said, uh, if you're coming to my books just to get what you can get and then run away, farewell like like don't even do this you like read the intro and if you can't read this intro just goodbye <laughs> okay? if you're just here to be entertained and yes. not think yes. you've had your fun right yes yeah. yes yeah. and i wish i could remember where that was um isn't it, it was... the beginning of death of death oh the of death course. of death, the death, and death of, of death christ it's at the beginning it's at the beginning of the death of death and the death of christ um and what where, where is that i'm trying to remember i know i have a a Many of John Owen's writings, I have like the Banner of Truth version as well. But then you've also got, um, uh, you know, it's in his works. I think it's volume 12. Anyway, I wish I could find it because I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it just hit me between the eyes so strong when I read it. Let me see if I can find it. You keep talking though. Here, let me give you another question. <laughs> What's your next book you're going to read? Uh, my next book that I'm going to read? Yeah. Well, I told you I just picked up that new Paul David Tripp book. So I'll be reading that lead. It's called lead. And it's about leading, especially with the gospel in mind, being a gospel type of leader. But after that, what am I going to read? Um, I'm not sure. You know, as you've been preaching um, First Thessalonians, I've had I've had some different uh, eschatology questions come up. So I might be I might be dipping into some books on on um, those things. But. Yeah, not exactly sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, let me... I do really want, you've been talking about it so much. I really am excited to read this uh, Place to Belong book. So, yeah, it's, yeah it's, Megan it's not Hill. It's a hard read, but it's a very heartfelt read. Yeah. And it's on Audible if you want to uh, look at it there too. Um, well, I did find, I know, it's in, I know it's in volume 10 of Owen's works. Maybe we could, maybe we could just um, close with that, with, Something along those lines, because seriously, oh, here it is. I found it. Okay. I found it. Here it okay. is. So it's uh, to the reader. This is John Owen uh, writing something to the reader before they read a book of his. Okay. Here's what he said. If I'm going to read it as it stands, so I'm not going to make it into now language. It's kind of English, old English. Okay. Yeah. Reader, if thou intendest to go any farther, I would entreat thee to stay here a little. If thou art as many in this pretending age, a sign or title gazer, and comest into books as Cato into the theater to go out again, thou hast had thy entertainment. Farewell. Exclamation point. <laughs> so basically Cato coming into the theater just to come out again with whatever you know you want to get for yourself. You've already had your entertainment. Farewell. Goodbye. Like literally, don't read any further if this is what you're doing. Now, what what hit me between the eyes is, 
I've just been finishing a, a doctoral dissertation and literally I've been coming to many of Owen's books to get quotes. As a title gazer. <laughs> as a yeah, title yeah. Gazer. <laughs> and as a sign and title gazer. And I'm like, That's oh funny. man. And so it really kind of convicted me that, uh, you know, don't just go to get quotes because sometimes you right. can misquote and take people out of context right. or co-opt them to say, oh yeah, they they are they go along with all of my views, you know? Yeah. And then really you want to spend time and maybe we'll, we'll end with that kind of an idea of dwell in a book. Yeah. Think it over, think it through, try to get the idea of what they're coming coming to the table with and the era they were writing in and what was going on at that time, yeah. things like that. Yeah, no, I love that. This is a final thing that just stood out to me too. This is not really in line with what you were just saying. So <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm ruining the end, but hey, it's okay if they've if you stuck with it, us this long, no, you no, can I know. refute my just idea. Just a totally different idea. I was going to say, and this shows my ignorance of the classics, but what's who is Cato? What's he from? Do you know? No. I have no, I have no clue. I couldn't tell you. But I have I'm, no idea. If it's, whether it's Shakespeare or whether it's from the Greeks or whatever, my, uh, my thought was, here's John Owen, someone who's obviously remembered for his writings on theology, spirituality, the church, and he's referencing like a secular, you know, yeah. Shakespeare player. So I don't know. Whoever's listening right I, now is like, Connor's so ignorant. All wow. I can say is I just, I just Googled him. Now there's the Cato Institute that people know about and there's the Cato Corporation. There's, Wikipedia has Cato the Younger that lived like I, in 95 I no, BC. I have no to, idea who he is. I don't think this is who he was talking about. I, Maybe, who knows? He was a Stoic philosopher. And um, yeah, there you go. He was immune to bribes. So <laughs> praise God okay. for that. Okay. He wasn't He wasn't corrupt. Well, he, okay. And his grandfather, great grandfather, was Cato the Elder. I have so, no idea. I don't who know. Owen's whoever about. whoever he is, whether he's a fi <laughs> fictional character or he's someone of history, my point was going to be John Owen, who wrote so much about the Lord and about theology and about the church. He was he was apparently also reading and well versed in maybe history, and I would guess too the best fiction or plays of the day or whatever you he know. Knew and knew about Cato. Yeah, going to the that's theater. what I'm saying. He yes. knew about so. So I think that I just, you know, another chance for me to make the plug. <laughs> I'm, I believe in reading fiction, history. You know, I think it does. It makes us better thinkers. And Absolutely. And it falls in that category, First Timothy 4, of good things that God's given to us to enjoy, you mm -hmm. know, made holy by the word and prayer. There's mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of good stories out there. And it's a, com it's a, a kindness of God that we get to partake in these things. Yeah, praise God. All praise right, Mike. God. I think we've given people Good more times. than what they bargained for. I think you and I had a better time than the Anyone listeners. Who's I hope listen. that there was oh, someone still with us. Maybe so. it's just we're the only ones listening Maybe to Maybe no one's ever going to hear these words coming out of our mouths. Right. But I guess it's what you get when you put two people who love to read in a room together. And uh, we wanted to please God. And so God heard it. And hopefully he was pleased. That's right. And that we honored Jesus. That's right. And if there's anyone still here, thank you for hanging out with us today. Yep. Yep. I hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed that. So... Anyways, we love you. You know that we always say uh, this at the end of the podcast, but we love you and we're praying for you throughout the week. We're very, I enjoy doing this. I don't know. Mike just does it to be nice to me or something probably. Oh, I but. love this. This is <laughs> one of my favorite times all week. It's really sweet. So we love doing this and um, yeah, thanks for staying with us. We will talk to you next week. Until then, have a great week. Talk to you next time.